20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. fans welcome into another episode of the pack a day podcast episode 195 once again my name is matt fralick you can find me on twitter at matt underscore fra underscore and alongside me once again janelle Mackey. janelle what's happening nothing much uh football season's officially over so now it's kind of starting to focus a little bit more on uh, the up-and-coming drafts free agents just a lot of chaos is about to open up in the NFL. Yeah, uh, what it's ever, like the Monday after the Super Bowl, I'm always just stir crazy. Like I don't know what I should be doing. Should I be looking at like mock drafts for fantasy football? Should I start looking at mock drafts for the draft? And like, should I just like paint a room in my house? I never really know what I should be Play doing. Play a little Madden. Play, well, like. that, that you can always guarantee. You you know me well enough now at this point. Like I don't know. Like maybe do some early spring cleaning. I just I never know what to do with my time, but here we are, clearly recording another podcast and let's just get right into it. So, uh first off, you said we got to we got to get a little praise of Julius Peppers today before we get get to get too far in here. Yep, uh Julius Peppers announced his retirement after I think it's 17 seasons mm-hmm. in the league. So, hats off to you. Um a guy who played with us for 3 seasons, mm-hmm. 3 really good seasons like this these were a couple of really great seasons and a lot of that credit I think has to go to him uh he was scary yes very oh, scary yeah. he was healthy Julius Peppers only missed I looked out of his 17 seasons he only missed six regular season games that's incredible for someone like of his size too you would think a limb or two would just get caught up yeah. once in a while in the trenches and like just no, something this, to be tweaked this guy's relentless for um, sure yeah, when he was with us, uh, 2014, he had seven and a half sacks. 2015, ten and a half sacks. 2016, seven sacks. Those are Kyler Fackel numbers. Those are, those are, uh, yeah, crazy. Uh, nine-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, 2002 AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, he had his first pick six with the Packers yep. off of Ponder. Out of all people, mm-hmm. ran it back for the Lambo leap. Uh, Why would little, you ponder, ponder? Exactly. A little help from Morgan Burnett. Uh, I actually watched the video today doing some prep. And nice. Burnett's just like pointing, like, dude, jump, dude, jump. And it was, he did not know how to get up. But he redeemed himself against the Eagles that same year back at Lambo. Ran it all the way back, uh, 52 yards, and jumped like he needed to, he, needed, he knew he needed to redeem mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Jumped right up into the crowd, so. Two pick sixes at Lambo, resulting in two Lambo leaps. Awesome. Great dude. For sure. And remember early on in his career when he was with the Bears and like how just how much havoc he'd create when we played him, then all of a sudden he like now, ends up on the pack. He's yeah. like, holy cow, we don't have to face you anymore. Thank God. Yeah, because he was kind of just like when he played with the Panthers, he wasn't really as much a threat to us because we didn't have to face him right. so much. Right. Still a monster, obviously. Yeah, unbelievable. They had some really good defenses back then when they were making Super Bowl runs. Yeah, he and he's a big part of that, I mean. There was a quote I saw. Uh, he had said something about, I guess, his time in the NFL, and he credited and wanted to you know recognize, or whatever you want to call it, um, the Packers organization, the Panthers organization, and didn't say anything about the Bears. the Bears. Did you see that? I did not. Okay, he said That's some, it was some quote, and I'm like, oh, dang, throwing shade. Like, he was only with the Packers for three years. Like, really weird. I think he was with the Bears a little bit longer yeah, than he that. Was, but... uh, he was with the Panthers ten years, Bears four years, okay. Packers three years. But, I mean, I don't know. Even but so, Green Bay felt like home, according to him. I guess so. so. Which, hey, we'll, we'll respect that. So, yeah, Julius Peppers, great year. Always just one of those freak-of-nature athletes that I love to watch in the NFL that just, like, you shouldn't be able to move that fast and catch a ball and run. And uh, one of my favorite pictures ever is I have – it was, like, my profile picture on Facebook. At one point, him just, like, shooting free throws for UNC <laughs> when, you know, he was on I their team and, like, in the, in the tournament. Like, that's just – that's awesome. Yeah, I love guys that can do that. So – and. And he has, he's a class act. Definitely. One of my favorite uh, moments, aside from everything he did in his three seasons at Green Bay, 
was when uh, Rodgers was trying to come back after breaking his collarbone. We were suffering a lot as fans, and it was against the Panthers around Christmas time, I think it was. Okay. Uh, that'd be two seasons ago now. And you could tell Rodgers was off, and we're obviously afraid of him getting hit. Mm-hmm. And Julius Peppers came out and said, because Julius Peppers did get to Aaron Rodgers during that game, he said, there was two things on my mind when making the sack. Strip the ball and don't hurt him. And respect. for me, that's just that's just showing respect to other players in the NFL. Like, he's, he's out there, he's a freak in nature, but he knows I'm not out here to hurt people. Mm-hmm. I'm out here to put him on the ground and get the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, and that's... I, I had so much respect for him before then, and... All my respect for him after that. Definitely, so. definitely, definitely good way to play the game. And now more and more players are, I mean, I guess taking after him, trying to play defense that same way. Um, in episode 194 yesterday, you heard Andy Herman break down the Super Bowl and also get to, to uh, I guess, a mailbag of fan questions. Um, Andy did a great job breaking down the Super Bowl. We won't talk too much about that other, other than that it was completely underwhelming. Um, I think the best thing about the Super Bowl for me, Janelle, is that I had um, it was I was just hanging out at my house and I have a bunch of leftover food. So that's like the best thing I have going for me yeah. is like I watched the Super Bowl, yes, but I had like some leftover, you know, dips and pulled pork, whatever, to last me through the rest of the week. So that's my favorite part of the Super Bowl the so leftovers. far. The leftovers always good. It's like it's like it, Thanksgiving, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what I was gonna say. But uh, we wanted to just talk a, very briefly about some of uh, the I guess people that were associated with the Super Bowl. I only came up with three. Uh, it was Janelle's idea to three players, or three people, I guess, rather, that are connected with Wisconsin that were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, I usually like to look for those connections. Love it. During Great. big games, Super Bowl, any sport, really. I try mm-hmm. and find those, like, okay, Wisconsin's not, like, my home state, but it's... I know it's not, it but is, you, like like, to cl- you like to pretend to claim it. In my it. heart. Yeah, in your is. heart. So okay. I like to look for those connections, and obviously we get a couple players, but... I mean, we had the legend in the booth. Legend in the booth. Who didn't really get to do much predicting because nothing was really happening. Yeah, but he really didn't do that too much. Tony didn't really I, do much of that. I'm I'm guessing he wasn't. He said, "I'm not going to predict anything," and then nothing happened. So, do we blame Tony Whoa. Romo for nothing happening because he stopped predicting stuff? Mm, spin zone. Yeah, we definitely yeah. blame Tony Romo for it not going on the over because I bet the over and yeah. it clearly was a horrendous. <laughs> Yeah, I outcome. think I predicted Pat's like thirty-four to twenty-seven, not even close. Not but good. yeah, Tony Romo, uh, mm-hmm. Burlington, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. technically born in San Diego, because I looked this up. He mm-hmm. was a Navy brat, mm. so, so he, his he dad cl- was stationed out there. He and can then claim moved, anywhere damn near than like in the whole country. Yep, but then they moved back to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Burlington. Uh, I think he was like the Stud Racine. Athlete. Is mm-hmm. that? Yeah. yeah, Burlington. Yeah, it's down by there, like East Milwaukee or West Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee, that was kind of like it's... the section or whatever that he played mm-hmm. in. Awards, all that good stuff. Baseball, so. or, uh, basketball, and football. I mean, stud basketball player, a golfer now too. He's like in the pro am or whatever the heck he is. He's like a scratch golfer. So yeah, shout out Tony Romo. I mean, that's like, like I. I'm not gonna lie. Tony Romo. I out, hated uh, that guy. Yeah, when he Tony Romo without a star in his helmet's fine. Like it's cool. Like. You're in the booth, you're, you and Jim Nance are just hanging out, yeah. hello friends, like, like just doing whatever. Tony Romo's one of my favorite people in the NFL now, and I would have never said that a few years back because because of the star on his helmet. Um, it's just in my nature, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm the same way with Peyton Manning, too. Wasn't really a big fan of him when really? he was a player. I didn't mind Peyton. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that he had a really big head, so it was really enormous, easy to make fun of him. Enormous head. But now that he's not in the NFL anymore, I'm like... Hey, look at this guy. I like everything that he does now. So, yeah, Tony Romo from technically born in San Diego, but grew up in Burlington, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. That's one of our connections one of to them. the state. Uh, the second one is James White. Obviously, everyone knows who that is. Running back for the Wisconsin Badgers from 2010 to 2013. Um, I think many would have expected him out of a bigger game on Sunday. He didn't really do anything. I think that had a little to do with the Rams' defensive scheme. Wade Phillips kind of took him away. Um, and then that opened up holes, obviously, for Julian Edelman, who we'll talk about a little bit later on the podcast. Um, but James White, really, really good Badger uh, running back. I wouldn't say he's the first one that comes to mind when I think of the history of Badger running backs. But at this point in his career in the NFL, like he's 
one of the best ones. I mean, he he's, he's got I three mean, there's, rings now. There's exactly it's Melvin Gordon, him and Corey Clement. Corey Clement, ring. I guess too. Man. Gotta he, get he's another a one. Ring. <laughs> he's another one where it's like you wouldn't think of Corey Clement, but um, yeah. James White, yeah, three rings. That's just insane. They I saw a quote. Um, they were you know obviously all this. All the, the media that was down in Atlanta, they talked to his dad, and he's like, would you ever expect your son to you know, win a Super Bowl? He's like, I didn't, I mean, to win three rings, he's like, I would never expect him one. This is just a, it's a dream. Like, you, no one expects to win a Super Bowl, let alone three of them. It's incredible. Yeah, so one of which he should have been the MVP. Absolutely. That so. is, that's a good point. Very good point. So um, I guess maybe that's why I was expecting a little bit more from him yesterday mm-hmm. or I guess two days ago right. when you're listening to this but they had but, Sony Michelle I mean he yeah. was he was the stud and I guess he kind of yeah because it was white show. for a while and then Michelle kind of took over the show from him mm-hmm. but you never know what kind of scheme they're going to have for where sure. they could involve both of them so mm-hmm. either way James White obviously the big name Badger coming in but there was also a Badger that a lot of people probably didn't know mm-hmm. was in the Super Bowl he was on the Rams uh, Rob Havenstein mm-hmm. Right tackle for them. Yep. I mean, not much you can really... He's a tackle, so there's not a lot of crazy and statistics. A, and a right tackle. Like, the right tackle's kind of like the lunch pail of offensive linemen. I mean, the left side's like a little bit more sexy. Like, left tackle, like, hey, block your blind side. But um, I think he actually did give up a sack, I want to say, to... Uh, who came off the edge on him? I don't remember. It was late in the game. They got to, they got to Goff, so... I remember him seeing kind of like kind of hand fighting a guy in the replay, and he gave up a sack. But uh, Havenstein did actually block for James White when they were at UW uh, Madison or Wisconsin. So little connection there. I'm sure they had words after the game. I don't know if they swapped jerseys or not. I don't. That would be interesting to see. But um, but those are the three that we came up with. I know Janelle was looking at the coaching staff. I looked at some of the coaching staff. Not many. Uh, the referees couldn't find any, you know, any connections there. Not if a any, lot of like, like it's not like Doug Peterson who played backup to Brett Favre. Like, yeah, no crazy connections no like cr- that that I could come across. I mean, even like like again, like old players, like you're saying, like I couldn't find that either. So if anyone found any that we're missing out of those three, let us know. I'm sure someone has something out there. They're like, oh, the the ball boy for the Ram side was in my Sunday school with my someone's got something crazy out there I'd love to hear one of those but um, so that was kind of the recap we had for the Super Bowl Uh, obviously now we're in the the off season and Janelle and I were talking today and we're like what are we going to talk about in this episode I mean there's I personally Janelle I didn't want to talk about all the new coaches I feel like we have talked that to death from McCarthy being fired to Lafleur to all the you know the 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 assistant coaches that have been signed. And I just didn't really want to get into that because we've done that before on the Pack-A-Day podcast. All of our other contributors have done that. And frankly, I don't want to give you an opinion on someone that I don't really don't know anything about. So we decided to do something similar to what Andy did, actually, um, for yesterday's episode and just kind of put some feelers out there. What are you guys thinking? What do you guys want to talk about? What do you want to know? And I thought it was really cool just to kind of like see – you know, not a huge sample size, but I mean, our followers and I guess the Packaday um, nation, if you will, to see what they're all thinking and kind of just get a really get a get a nice understanding of where everyone's at. We got you know almost a dozen um, I guess tweets of questions people want answered. So let's just get right to them, Janelle. You want to start us off with one of them? Yeah. So I guess we'll start with um, uh, I think it's Parker Mose. He okay. asked, "Is the relationship between?" LaFleur and Rodgers critical in the overall team success for Green Bay? I mean, I would say yes. I emphatically would say yes. Clearly, like, clearly, clearly, it you know, just fizzled out with McCarthy and Rodgers. It was blatantly obvious. I've talked about it on the podcast many times that Aaron Rodgers isn't great with his body language. So if you know something's wrong, it's pretty... I mean, if you think something's wrong, it's pretty obvious to tell. So that being said... If he, if the Packers want to have any success the next five years, being through Rodgers' contract and Lafleur's contract, yes, yeah. absolutely, it's critical. I is important. I can't think of a more important relationship right now from coaches to players for this team. Yeah, and I think any sport, any level, the player-coach connection is crucial. Yeah, because the more you get along with your coach, um, the better everything's going to flow. 
the team's going to listen a little bit more. Everything will click more. Mm-hmm. But if there's that tension, if, like, the players don't like the coach, there's going to be that tension and success will fall. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's on the same page, working together, um, they know how they know how to work together, but they also know how to, like, have fun together. All that stuff in a pot together is what's going to be important. Um, not only Rogers having a good relationship with the floor, but all the other veterans. Mm-hmm which is why they had that kind of, like, committee yep. when they were hired. So you know that they do approve of him, mm-hmm. which is important. So, yes, I would say the connection is very important. It's important for any coach and player at any level, any sport. doesn't matter what you're doing. That connection will always take you the extra step. Definitely. And, because like, the communication, too. Mm-hmm. After maybe a rough game, a rough play, it's easier to communicate some with somebody that you connect better with. Mm-hmm. Whereas if there's that tension, then if something bad happens during the game or if there's a rough loss, like that tension just builds a little bit more and they start to play like the blame game. For sure. Instead of taking responsibility and just kind of having those like adult conversation kind of things versus like childlike conversations. Mm-hmm. So cool. that's kind of my input on that. Definitely. Uh, the next one, uh, it's a buddy of mine, Dan DeSorcy. He has two of them. I can find him on Twitter at ddz underscore 21, so we'll rattle his off real quick. He said, um, we'll do the first one, it says, how much of a pay cut? Um, well, let me get exactly what he says. First of all, he wants to talk about, we'll do the sleepers first. He says, uh, let's hear your sleeper picks for who the package will take at number 30. Uh, Janelle, when we were doing a little prep here, we both think they'll just... They're going to trade away the 30th pick. Trade away Come the 30th. Come on, yeah. <laughs> it's I, the Packers. I, don't think th- I think that's a really, really... Valid. It's it's not a weak statement or like a weak answer. I think that's actually what would happen. Um, I but mean, we've if, seen it plenty of times, right? But, you know, you know, hold hold my wrists and say I have to pick someone. I'm going to say like a tackle, uh, maybe Greg Little from Ole Miss, possibly one of the uh, Iowa tight ends, Noah Font or T.J. Uh, Hawkinson. Um, those would be the guys I'd see that they could possibly target. Maybe it would fall a little bit. That would you know. I, Maybe the Alabama safety Thompson, but I think he might go a little bit earlier. But I would say right now, if it's tough to speculate in February, Dan, but we need a guard. <laughs> we need a guard, but we're both going to say trade. I think that's I think that's what we would say. Yeah. Um, and then his Dan's second question, as I was trying to get to when I was scrolling, um, how much of a pay cut would make you want to keep Clay? Uh, how much? I would say a couple million. So looking at him being in that six or seven million range was what I would be comfortable with. I don't know if that's something you'd agree with. Yeah, Janelle. I would probably agree with that as well. He was getting about ten and a half, eleven million last yeah. year, and on his you know six year or five year sixty six million dollar contract. So yeah, kind of looking at um, we we're kind of just looking at uh, the free agents mm-hmm. for the linebacker position and. Clay Matthews coming off one of the bigger... He's the biggest contract. Yes. I think it's he's double yeah. anyone that else is going to be a free agent, you know, what their contract was in 2018. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. It's skewed with, like we said, Jadavion mm-hmm. Clowney. We were looking like, oh, he's obviously hasn't, hasn't got his big deal yet. He'll get it this year, but... Yeah, yeah so that's, coming that, into free agency, he was the biggest contract. So, with that being said, probably a significant pay cut for him, mm-hmm. but... I wouldn't be mad if he took that pay cut and stayed no, with the team. Because as we talked two weeks ago, depth at outside linebacker is far and few between right now. Yes. Um, and then Dan also said, would you consider moving him inside? I don't think so. We also talked about, I at least did on the episode two weeks ago, that I think Blake Martinez is solid as all get out. And I think Antonio Morrison is a perfect number two guy to have there and I don't think yeah. Clay's I don't think Clay's I think athleticism the roster is, had more inside linebackers for sure, than it definitely outside did. so keep him at outside it's where he's been playing the last few years so no, no need to move him around he's older mm-hmm. you don't need to be shifting him around like that he could he do it most likely because he he has that veteran experience, but it wouldn't be what's best for the team to no, move him inside I don't think so and uh, I've been playing Dan a little bit on Madden recently yeah it's just Hasn't been going well for him. So, uh, next question. Um, we'll jump into Cover 6 podcast question. Who is the one free agent you want the Packers to sign, and who is one free agent you want the Packers to stray away from? Mm-hmm. I'll say it right away. When I looked up the free agents, 
I immediately saw Dominican soon and was like, nope, I don't want that guy on our team. Even though he's like, getting, he's, even yes, hang he's on, good. Even but. no, well, what about the fact that he's getting investing advice from Warren Buffett? Did you see that in the pregame on Sunday before I did the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, what he could bring a lot to the table with the Packers and his shitty attitude and kind of, I guess, overly aggressive personality. You don't think that would work well? No. Okay, me neither. I he there's been too much like toxic um banters between him and the Packers, like between like kicking ple- people and like stepping on Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and like not just accidentally but like stomping on him and then he'll go and do it the next week against whoever they're playing. I just he is not the type of person that I would ever want to see in the Packers jersey. I don't want to see him with the Giannis helmet. That's fair. If if we're going to succeed, I, I don't want him to be a part of it. I was cheering against the Rams because I don't like him. He's just... He's one of my my least favorite. I don't like to use the word hate, mm. but... You could. He's, he's riding that line. Okay. Because he's just... I don't know. He just... Doesn't have the mentality. I like the people with the Julius Peppers mentality. I like class act players who don't have to hurt other people after the play. Cheap shot stuff. Yes. There's Uh, no need for stuff Any other ones you don't want on your team? Any other Uh, mean guys that you don't want? Not so much mean guys, just guys that I don't think would fit. I saw Josh Gordon as a free agent. Um Kind of a head case. Don't really know what's going on with him yeah. at most times. I mean, to be he, honest, he's kind we don't of know figuring if he's stuff football. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw Martavius Bryant, who has been bouncing around. He got cut like two or three times from mm-hmm. the Raiders. Great receiver. He was good with the Steelers, mm-hmm. but he's just he's replaceable. Didn't really think he was anybody that we should chase. I don't want to see somebody like that who is like failing drug tests and getting cut and resigned and cut by the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of the names that stood out to me that I was like, but honestly, Sue was just the number one yeah, you big, said that right big away. red X yeah. through him. Don't even look at him. And then anyone you want? Anyone that I want. Kind of hypocritical of me to say this after just yeah. ranting about mm-hmm. Sue, but I can't stop going back to Anthony Barr. Yeah. We talked about him in our episode a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and same with like he's not as cheap. Like no, I that one that one time it's with just Rogers, one play. It's one play. That's it, all you're thinking of. But it it did ruin that whole season yes, for me. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, ruined what was Jordy's last season with us. So, I I'm frustrated with him, but I I would really like to see him on our side. I would I would rather see him in green and gold because I think he he brings that aggressive mentality and he's kind of one of those guys that hey, people are going to have to line up against him and they're going to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think he he's one of the more reasonably priced too. Like yes. would I like Clowney? Absolutely. But there's going to be a lot you'd have to give up for him. Yeah. So I keep coming to I just keep coming back to Anthony Barr and Barr seems like a good value, especially coming off, you know, he was a little bit of a down year. I said that a couple times already throughout this podcast in the last couple weeks. Um, so he'd be one I, would, I wouldn't I would mind. Um, we'll go other guys, I think. You know, Landon Collins, I think. Yeah, and is, we're kind uh, of excluding people who are on the Packers. Oh, like, yeah. We're, not talk, we're just talking outside of Absolutely. our system right and I think now that's because kind of, obviously there's a lot of those guys that I'd like to re-sign. For sure. Uh, I would say Landon Collins, I think, is one. Um, he affects the game, you know, up by the line of scrimmage, down in the back end of plays, you know, over the middle. He'd be a great guy to have. Uh, Tyron Matthew, it still blows my mind that the Texans signed him for a one-year deal for $7 million this year. That is incredible. That is extremely good value, but it's also a culture they created that someone's willing to come in there for $7 million at you know playing such a high caliber mm-hmm. as Tyron Matthew. Um, Adrian Amos, looks like he's an unrestricted free agent. be cool to get him. Um, obviously, I'm just naming safeties at this point, but... I clearly see that as a, a need for the Packers. I don't think drafting one of those has worked out for them in the recent years. Um, and the ones they've had, obviously, have walked away. Morgan Burnett, Micah Hyde. So I think those would be guys I'd like to see in free agency. You know, I, it would, And then I go to the guys I don't want. Sue's obviously up there. Um, you know, One, because of personality. Two, because of fit. I don't see him fitting in to what 
you know, the the rotation or the core is on that defensive line. And then three, he's 32 right now. Doesn't make sense to sign a 32-year-old for me. a couple more realistic reasons to not sign. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, less bias. LaMarcus Joyner is going to want a, a, a ton of money. Um, the safety for the uh, the Rams. I uh, saw him on Sunday, had a couple big plays, but he's probably, you know, he's got to be in the top top three as far as defensive backs in the whole class, not even um, free agency class, not even just safeties. I don't really want to go after him. Jadavian Clowney, same type of thing. He's going to get paid so much money, he's going to need a truck to bring it home and take it to the bank. He, he's, I mean, he's going to get a huge contract, and I don't think having an Aaron Rodgers contract along with a Jadavian Clowney con- contract really works you know, if they can somehow make it work with, you know, Nick Perry gone, Cobb gone, Clay taking a you know a significant pay cut, and you know swapping a couple other guys around, maybe then it would be great. Because don't get me wrong, Jadavian Clowney, you want to talk about affecting games like that man will absolutely ruin an offense's game plan through a whole sixty minutes. But I don't think money wise he's worth it right now. And then Earl Thomas, I think, you know, many many injuries. Um, obviously was frustrated with his time with the Seahawks, openly talked about wanting to be on the Cowboys. I just, again, personality, I don't see that fitting with the, with the Packers, those injuries, and he's getting up there in age. I just don't, I don't see him being a guy that I'd want the Packers to go after. Um, so that's what we have for, uh, cover six podcast question. The next question we will get into is, um, Carlos Machado hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Carlos. Um, he said, three or two quarterbacks on the 53 roster and thoughts about the backup for AR. So I've never been a one to have three active quarterbacks on the 53. I think that's that's not a great idea. Yeah, we kind of talked about we like having three quarterbacks, but mm-hmm. one on practice. Exactly, squad. and Andy Herman, I think, was a big you know Tim Boyle fan and keep Tim Boyle on the active roster. I didn't understand that. If... If a third quarterback is, is is so good that you don't want to put him on the practice squad that he could get he signed by be someone the else, backup then exactly. So I don't see the point of ever to carry three quarterbacks. Um, as far as the, the would, thoughts of the backup, um, I, it, I can go a couple different ways. I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, as of this moment right now, the backup is Kaiser, mm-hmm. but he has a long way to go before he can like take over a team. Oh, definitely. I'm really, I was really disappointed. And he's so young. What is he, 23, yeah. 24? I was really disappointed in kind of what I saw um, those few moments that we did see him. But, yeah, I ho- I'm i hoping um, a couple more years under Rodgers will kind of get him into, like, the the mold. Sure. Kind of like, like a offspring of Rodgers' talent kind of thing and hopefully become a fantastic quarterback in the league, a fantastic starter one day. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he is young. He had to take over a team way too early with the Browns mm-hmm. and kind of getting thrown into that yes. can really affect your career, which I never really liked that the Browns were just taking all these young quarterbacks and kind of throwing them to the Wolves. Mm-hmm. I think that young quarterbacks need to start under a veteran to kind of – I mean, for the most part, there was a lot of exceptions this year, but it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. I think this year was a big exception year. Mm-hmm. But that's because there was such a big draft class for mm-hmm. quarterbacks. So. And even year two for guys, too. You look at a couple guys that were coming into their, their second years, having big years. Um, I think you're right. I mean, Kaiser, let's see maybe if the Matt LaFleur connection, since they were you know head coach and player, or not head coach, but um, position coach and player for one year at Notre Dame, that, that small, small one-year span of what, it would have been about nine months they were playing football together through practice and games. Maybe that'll help. Maybe Matt LaFleur's a little bit of a quarterback whisperer. We'll see. Um, but, I mean, all things considered, I wouldn't be surprised if he brings in his own guy. I mean, bring in your own dude, groom him, and then once Rodgers, you know, goes off in the sunset after you were, you know, won four Super Bowls in a row for the Packers, you can yeah. put this new guy in. I yeah, because we kind of looked at, like, free agent quarterbacks. Awful. Nobody. Really, really bad. Uh, there's all the, I think it's like. all the quarterbacks that were on the Redskins that finished the year out. Um, Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, those types of... Brett Hunley. Brett Hunley's yeah. of the world. Not really that good of a 
good of a crop. Like, um, really only Tyrod Taylor, but he's a starting quarterback. Right. You're not there gonna... was not really any backups that were like, oh, we got to get this guy on the roster. Mm-hmm. So, basically, they're going to have to draft yeah. the quarterback. As far as draft, I looked quickly, Janelle. Uh, Brett Ripien, Boise State, about 6'2", 200 pounds, um, had 68 completion percentage this year, only threw 24 touchdowns and only threw six picks. Again, I'd be lying to you if I said I was anywhere past the toddler stage of these drafts right now. I'm really not too far into it. It doesn't really start until, for me, like mid-March, kind of in between you know, the sessions for um, March Madness. Kind of just take yeah. the time real quick to scroll through that. But Brett Ripping's guy, you know, look, obviously I don't imagine um, you know, the top couple guys, Will Greer or Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins to be there. I would think those guys are going to go higher just because of the lack of quarterbacks in this draft, and quarterbacks are always going to be sought after no matter if the general you know, media or whoever is saying, hey, quarterback class is down, quarterback class is up, they're still going to go, still one probably going to go top 10, still probably two or three in the top 32, so looking at guys a little bit outside of you know the the top five that was a guy i noticed so yeah um, and i think like, that's how i would fix it and maybe you know mcfleur's got his own eyes on someone else yeah and uh we also don't know like they could bring somebody in and be like okay no we'd rather keep tim boyle practice squad so i think a lot of that's really up in the air but as of right now we like two on active roster one on practice squad and we're looking at kaiser as the backup yeah yes so. absolutely that answers that one. So next um, question, we'll go to at Jordan Walsh nineteen ninety. What areas of need are the easiest to fill in free agency and through the draft, which leads into the most likely needs um, to be fulfilled by the early picks? Mm-hmm. He kind of worded that goofy. So, <laughs> um, what areas are are easiest to fill in free agency and then the ones through the draft? Uh, well, we looked at a lot of free agency. We did. I'm just going to start, I'm going to say, I think free agency for, like, edge guys is really easy to do, um, depending on what you need for a receiver. I think that can also be kind of simple. Um, I would normally say tight end, but clearly that doesn't work for the Packers at all. Even though there is a lot of, like... There's a lot of decent decent tight ends out there. Um... I would, you know, drafting, as far as you know, the draft side, I think drafting linemen, the Packers have done it for many, many years, second, third, fourth, fifth round, and done very, very well. I would say, if it, I would say if it's not broke, don't fix it with that type of idea. Um, you know, linebackers, again, middle linebackers thing, you can kind of get late. Um, again, you're always looking for value, in my opinion, and the Packers do well at that. It's, it will, you know, that was Ted Thompson's, you know, MO is, you know, we're always looking for value, you know, draft the best player, yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, that obviously didn't work at the end of Ted Thompson's regime. Um, Goody, I think, did a good job with that last year. Obviously got a bunch of, you know, I wouldn't say he did best available. He was like, hey, I want three receivers. We're going to go draft three receivers yeah. or a couple linemen and do that. And, um, yeah, I, and- I, like, like the Oren Burks, I would say, is was one where it's like, mm, is that really best available, Brian? drafting him in the third round but yeah i would those are my quick takes i guess um yeah because like we we did look at let's look at um the guards mm-hmm. for free agency nothing nothing that really stood out no to us. a lot so of, we, lot of we, old a lot of old guys yeah. um the one i wrote down or the two i wrote down was uh chance warmack from uh philly uh i guess he was like a first round pick for um from Bama a couple years ago. He's young, though. He's like 26, 27. I would imagine they'd try to re-sign him. The other one was uh, Quentin Spain. Uh, only on the premise... Two. Only on those two premise of he's young, and he was with Matt LaFleur. So that's the yeah. only reason why he was even on that list. But Yeah, but that that's a hard position to fill in free agency right now, so that one will be a little bit easier, hopefully, to find in the draft. Definitely. And that's kind of one of the positions we've really been looking at because, obviously, that right side of the line yes. like needs a lot of help needs right Needs a revamp. Now. And then Jordan's, like again, he, he worded this goofy. No big deal, Jordan. We'll deal with it. Um, he said, which leads into the most, like, you know, which leads into most likely needs to be fulfilled by early picks. So which, you know, first, second, third round do you see them picking? I say again, yes, I did say edge rusher and free agency, but I see the edge being super, super I see that being ton there. of ton of them With in their this draft. Pick, 
it's, go I th- for an edge rusher. I think that's a for sure second pick. Again, what we just said, assuming they're going to trade back, I think a lineman, offensive lineman, right side is there. Um, and then after that, I mean, you're safety, but like again. secondary. Right, possibly. Which there's like, it kind of um like half and half. There is some good secondary players in free agency. Mm-hmm. And there's also going to be some good free agent or, um draft picks in the mm-hmm. secondary so and I, th- I think the secondary is deep for the draft too from what i've looked at yeah thus far basically what we've concluded is that it's really hard to find uh right guards and right tackles in free agency yeah they're That's old the overall a lot, a lot of old guys you don't want to get rid of them at some point they're just you're just gonna hang on to them and you know ride them into the to the wheels fall fall off so uh next question let's go with um mr packers at pacman 115 uh, with Cobb likely gone and Allison possibly gone, which receivers do you see taking the development leap and taking those spots in the new offense? Clearly, Mr. Packers is listening because he goes, hashtag go pack go. <laughs> um, so I would start out saying that Cobb more than likely gone, very fair to say. Allison possibly gone, I'd have to disagree. I think Janelle and I were talking before the podcast recording that more than likely, Allison will be back. Uh, he made some big plays. Janelle wanted to, you know, you said in the yeah, Bears games, a couple other he, ones. He's a he's a good playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he he brings down like him and Rogers have developed a connection. So I mean, obviously, Rogers and Cobb have that connection too. Mm-hmm. But there is the age difference. Um, I think Cobb. He's kind of getting to a point where it's like he's replaceable. Oh yeah, Allison. Yes, somebody like that could be replaceable, but somebody who is younger, uh, still has a lot of talent, works hard. I don't see him being gone. If anything, maybe like a short-term contract. Mm-hmm. But which receivers do I take? see taking that leap? Um, I mean, it's I... hard. I mean, obviously there's only a few receivers that we can really choose from mm-hmm. that come to my mind. Um it's hard to say that EQ or MVS will really take over, like, a leadership role. Um, I think Adams, obviously, has already taken over mm-hmm. the role that used to be Cobb's because um, it used to be um, Cobb's role that Adams was trying to fill for a while there, and now Adams has definitely taken over the leadership role of the receivers, taking the developmental leap. Um I hope that they, I hope that EQ and MVS really take that What leap. about Kumaro? You were talking yeah, I, him about before the podcast I was going to get to Kumaro. Okay, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> no, but I I feel like as impressed with EQ and MVS as I was this year, yes. there was a lot of times that I was like, they're running their routes about 85%. Yeah. They should be running harder. Ment- like I feel like they weren't mentally in it. You could tell by their body language mm-hmm. that they That's- just weren't in it, which was really frustrating to me. So I'm really hoping that they take that leap, but then you get you get a guy out here like Kumro. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm getting to Kumro. Sorry, there it is. <laughs> um, who earned Rogers' praise early? Yes. Um, out of those three, Kumro is really the only one that Rogers has really praised, talked mm-hmm. highly of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel I like he him. talked highly of Jamon more, like in preseason. And then we never really see that no, saw that accumulate to anything. Like that was the yeah. one guy who was like, "All right, this guy's good." Because it was something with the playbook. I remember him le- learning a playbook early on, or what, I believe that was Jamon Moore. Maybe it was MVS. I don't remember, but yeah. it was one of those guys. But with that connection with Rogers, I see Kumro taking a big step. Now Kumro has to be resigned mm-hmm. for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But I could see Kumro really taking over in a spot like that simply because he has that connection with Rodgers. And when he came back after injury, you could really see that there was a better connection with Kumaro and Mm -hmm. Rodgers versus Kumaro and EQ or MVS. There was a lot of um, balls that were really close off the hands. And I think I was just really frustrated with MVS and EQ mentally. Like, I I was out there, I'm like, why aren't you, it doesn't matter if this game matters or not. You need to be out there running your route, like, 110%. They didn't have that, um really mental toughness that somebody like Cobb brings, where Cobb, right. Cobb runs his routes really hard. He knows that Rodgers is going to throw the ball a little further because you're supposed to be running that route a little harder. Mm-hmm. I think the what you're seeing, from what I saw, was them not understanding what Rodgers wants. Just because the route, you know, just because the play calls for a, 
a five yard dig or a five yard out or you know a nine route just because you ran that route and you know pop warner to high school to college doesn't mean that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing every time mm-hmm. but rogers is like hey there's this little quirk in the route when you get to your third step if the guy's on your inside we're gonna go outside and that type of stuff so that's what i saw from st brown a little bit those types of things mvs i saw it was more just um a little bit more what you're saying like mental like hey you're not running the route and you're not you know catching the ball well enough i think st brown is a physical freak i think that that's very well known throughout many of um you know the, the draft and whatever it was you know what the packers have had him and he's just he's a specimen so i think um my answer would be um mvs to see him taking another big leap possibly in that number three receiver role and then st brown and kumaro kind of fighting for that fourth and fifth spot yeah. along the way and, yeah because it depends on if kumaro could sign fingers crossed yep definitely obviously we like him but yeah i think i think they have a long way to go mm-hmm. you can just kind of tell and that was kind of a lot of the struggle this year was the fact that Rodgers had younger receivers who didn't understand. I think people are putting a lot of blame on Rodgers, but he has younger receivers. Like, you got rid of Jordy. Um, Cobb got hurt. Allison got hurt. His only real veteran receiver out there for him was Adams. So mm-hmm. I think that put a lot of pressure on these younger guys, and I hope to see all three of them really develop into an aggressive receiving core around Adams. Definitely. Uh, next question. So, um, Andrew Hetzel said, Bill Belichick has found a trend that many just don't see, and that is the vast majority of the NFL head coaches struggle mightily with adapting their offensive plan in-game. Agree or disagree? It's... I, that's, it's, I've been... Once I figured out what BB actually stood for, uh, Matub, who used to be a part of the Pack a Day podcast, still in my heart is a part of the Pack a Day podcast, said it was, uh, Brandon Boykin. And I'm like, there's no way. So I looked at Brandon Boykin. I'm like, he's not, never on the, no, that's not, he's not even in the league anymore. And the Brandon Boykin that's is in the league was never on the Packers. So I don't really know where I stand with this. It's basically it's saying is Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is clearly good at changing his game plan mid game. And why don't we see that more often? I guess it just magnified because it's so successful is my answer. Like it's just because you don't see it working in quote unquote working because it's not resulting in a dynasty run. I don't think other coaches aren't doing that. It's would say yeah, every coach so does, I, does that. I feel that. like I would want to say disagree. Okay. It's not like he's the only coach that does it. But he's just always in the spotlight, so it's more easily recognized. I mean, yeah. But he does do the, it really well, though. He like, does do it really like, well, yes. I'd say he he does he, it better, but he's not the only one. Sure, and it's defense, too, more, obviously, because he's got McJan- McJaniels. McDaniels <laughs> on the offensive side, so Belichick's obviously the defensive coach, and you know he did make Jared Goff look like an infant on Sunday running that offense. Yeah, so, I think... Um, it's like one of those agree to disagree, like yeah, but disagree to agree. It's mm-hmm. it's a hard one to answer because, I mean, it's Bill Belichick. He's one of the greatest coaches, but he also didn't win Coach of the Year. He did so. not. He did not. Should have won Super Bowl MVP though. Many people think. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next question is from Alicia at Weehee Cowgirl. Interesting handle. Um, what are the chances of keeping Allison? Pretty sure we already talked about we, that. Yeah, we I, think I th- that he stays. Very high, very high, I would say. I'll run right to the next one, Janelle. It is... Um, Luke Mills. Luke Mills, thank you. Go ahead. Uh, it's been interesting to see how Goot has already reshaped his roster in the first year. Shows he, shows he didn't love Ted's roster. With the holes we have now, um, safety, inside linebacker, edge, slot, wide receiver, tight end, guard. Basically the whole team. Basically everything but quarterback. Uh, which position should be upgraded through draft and which through free agency? We kind of already covered that one. Yeah. So we'll... Um, I think, I'm just, again, I think if you can get a right guard, one of the top couple guys that isn't into his early 30s, go ahead and do that. Drafting alignment has far, far been more successful with the Packers. Um, I think they do that with the right side because, again, the right tackle position we looked at wasn't very good. Um I would say free agency, if you can get an edge guy, go ahead and try it. Don't overspend. 
get someone like Janelle's favorite guy, Anthony Barr. But My again, favorite guy. Well, he's up there. He's, uh. he's he's your value guy. So, but then again, you look at the draft and like the the you know that first round is going to be loaded with edge dudes. So go out and do that. Um, tight end. I think from what I've heard, it sounds like the Packers are going to stick with Jimmy Graham. Uh, safety. I mean, Jimmy Graham with Matt LaFleur could be in a whole new program that actually works for him. So Absolutely. I would be all for that, Absolutely. in all honesty. Uh, he's got inside linebacker on there. I think maybe you're, you're, you sign a guy that I, I, I could go either way on that. Um, slot receiver, I don't really see that as a need, Luke. But um, good question. You are completely correct. It's Goot has, which I love that you're saying Goot. It's funny. Um, yeah, he basically has just taken Ted's roster and flipped it upside down and I think the only yeah. one left is Quentin Rollins at this point, who well, we might have I a podcast. About him. We might have a podcast <laughs> before the snow melts that Quentin Rollins isn't even on the team anymore. So yeah, and I would say like kind of forgot to mention it. Um, I actually had Parker Moa, somebody who did ask me a question uh, on okay. this tweet. Yep. He he liked the idea of Landon Collins. I love Landon Collins, and I would say yeah, because for a while there, everyone was like Earl Thomas, Earl Thomas, mm-hmm. and then Earl Thomas is injury prone mm-hmm. and all of a sudden Landon Collins mm-hmm. don't know how much he would cost because nope. um, he is one of those younger guys but I would rather see secondary players explored in free agency than drafting them way too early again like it took because it's happened it many took times. too many years to get a guy like Alexander I don't want to have to keep wasting those early picks mm-hmm. on secondary so I'd say attack secondary players in free agency for sure um, that was all the questions I came... Oh, no, we had Nick we, Schmitz at yes, Sports we're going to end with a fun one. One of our, um, I Contributors. guess... Contributors. Yeah, Pack-A-Day yeah. Podcast uh, affiliates, uh, if you will. Uh, the Don, some would say, of intro-outro <laughs> music. Uh, his question, just fired it out there early in the morning, was, um, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? And Janelle, before we even answer the question, let's go to a little comparison. We yes. used Pro Football Reference, kind of went into his career and a couple, you know, yeah, few years spans. If you look at a player on Pro Football Reference, you can actually click on similar players. Great tool. Yeah, we love this. We we're kind of laughing. I want to know which sap had to go through and like figure out who was comparable. Like, can you imagine someone like like that's going to be your job, Janelle? You're going to graduate in May. They're going to be like, you're just going to go sit in this room with like. All this, this Excel file, this Excel file, and you're just gonna who's comparable? So who's comparable to Julian Edelman? Um, career wise, yeah, let's go career wise. Um, Al Toon, mm-hmm. good Wisconsin guy. Lee Evans, also good Wisconsin guy. Albert Dubenian. Oh, Albert Dubenian, never heard of him. Nope. Oh, me neither. <laughs> Paul Flatley, sure. Carl Pickens, heard of him. Carlos Carson, good name. Louis Lips. That's not even. A, that's that's like a boxer from like 1967. <laughs> TJ, okay, this one's gonna be a big mouthful. For you me. you don't know how to pronounce this guy? There used to be a good fantasy football commercial about him. All right, TJ. This is gonna be gold. Houshmanzade. That's actually not too bad. Was I H- close? Houshmanzada. Oh, okay, I was close. In the commercial, they said, uh, TJ, who's your mama? thought that was funny. Okay. But TJ Hushmanzada used to play with uh, the Bengals, Chad Johnson, Carson Palmer, those guys. All right, um, and then you get uh, Jer- Jeremy Macklin yep. and Percy Harvin. Percy, sweet mercy. So uh, to answer your question, Nick, I don't think any of those guys are Hall of Famers. If we're going strictly off um, playoff stats, yeah, uh, Edelman's a first ballot guy. But if we're going based on that game specifically, he was the only one that really looked like he mm-hmm. belonged. In I mean, the I think Edelman's game. really, really good. I um, think the issue is that there's just been he's many always open. Yeah, like, and there's he been just ma- nobody covers. There's him. been many guys before him that have done the exact same thing. Let's see uh, in other, that offense. There's some other people just kind of Eddie Kinnison, good David um, Boston, Nate Burles. This is all like Packer fans. He was being compared after three seasons to Donald Driver, Mark Ingram as well, not the running back. Um, he was also being compared to Eric Decker, mm-hmm. which. Kind of laugh at because that guy bounced around the league like a pinball machine <sighs> some and of these is now names, retired. Some of these names are so awesome. Joe Jaravicious loved him. Corn Robinson, former Packer. Like some of I these mean, names are bringing. Like some of these names are bringing at these me back. names too, like Marty Booker, Fair Hooker. Like got all these wild names. Louis so. Lips. That guy's. 
probably really good. So to answer your question, Nicholas, no, no, but we I had know, a lot of fun yeah. looking up these guys. So yes, go to Pro we Football did. Reference if you ever want to look up a player I'm and using compare that for them. Now. I feel like I've used it once or twice, but it didn't didn't have as good of names. So uh, that's all the questions we were submitted, and it's. Darn near ten o'clock on Monday night when we're recording. Yeah, so I think we got. We yeah, appreciate everyone. Long episode. Long episode. We appreciate everyone's feedback and more questions we thought we'd get to. So hopefully, yeah. we answered them all. You can always feel free to send us questions too that you have, and we'll either answer them for you right there on Twitter, or we'll talk about them. Yeah. In an episode, if it's worth not. Oh, that sounds bad. If it's worth a debate on an episode, we'll talk yes. about it on an episode. If it's is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer. I probably could have just tweeted back at Nick and yeah. said no. Just but, the, just but the we U- had too much fun. Just the URL from the comparison of the players. That's yes. all we would work. <laughs> so that is episode 195 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Uh, alongside me again is Janelle Mac. You can find her at BigMac underscore 4 on Twitter. You can find myself, Matt Fralick, on Twitter at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore. You can find all of our Pack-A-Day contributors um, through the podcast uh, you can listen to them, obviously. Find us on Twitter. Uh, everyone's doing their own content. I know that blogs and writing for other websites. We have a bunch of new people that have joined the Pack-A-Day podcast team, crew. Uh, you'll hear Nick tomorrow, uh, the Don of the intro-outro, along with Maggie and Paul, who are very new to the podcast. So make sure to give them a listen. Um, I know they're going to bring a lot of great stuff to the podcast and just add quality. That's really what they're there for. And, you know, come draft time, they're there for that. And, you know, uh, hopefully up until through the rest of the year and, you know, many years to come. So, um, Janelle, any last words before we say the final last words? Um, Yep, just make sure you follow... Follow the Packaday Podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. You can find us on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can even ask Alexa to play Packaday Podcast. So it's very convenient. Very convenient. Um, And what—that's really all I have to say. Um, Now I'm just—I'm just waiting for the chaos. I'm waiting to see what happens. I'm waiting to have my heart broken with free agency and I don't, losing I don't, players. I don't think a heart's going to be broken with Goot. I mean, I already... I, I trust Goot. I trust the Goot. Um, but how do we end every episode, Janelle? Go Paco. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over against the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Goes! 30! Turns upfield, 25!